0: Oh, take a deep breath in, people. How are my peeps, my community, my posse, my friends on podcast? I just want to start out by saying thank you, thank you so much for those who've subscribed and rated and shared. The podcast has been growing, which I love because I really think my guest our awesome sauce. They're the bomb. They really are trying to make a positive, powerful difference in the world. They are people that I want to hang with. The things these people are doing around the world. mm. Every day, I just close my eyes with gratitude. I get to meet some awesome people and spread their word and their mission. And I know it definitely inspires you. brings you joy and gives you tips to just enjoy your life a little bit better every day and that's what it's all about now lots have been going on in the last few days i know a couple nights ago there was a big debate and there's a lot of hoopla about that so i hope whatever you're getting out of it no matter what We're showing love and peace and gratitude for everyone and really trying to listen to an open heart of what others have to say in our life. Cause that's what I think about. I think about what can I do? I can make sure that I come to the table with an open heart and willing to truly listen to what somebody else has to say without just being ready to say something. Right, Just to get, you ever do that? Want to get your word in and you're not really hearing what the other person has to say? Well, we all need reminding of that. But anywho, the saying that was on my upcoming guest that I got to chat with, it's on her website. Once I get blank, then I will be happy. Sound familiar? And we all know that's not true. I mean, we really do. Deep in our soul and our core. Yes, there's things that it'll just be so much easier, you know, having. Or that we'll just get up in the morning with that little pick up in our step. Because we're so passionate about what we do. But if we can first find that peace and then, oh, that's where the magic begins. If we can just find that happiness within now. We all have it, we all have it at different times and some more than others, but I think it's something that should be a priority every day to fine tune into you, your soul, how you can bring joy to the experience, how you can show up with love, fun, inspiration, passion. That's the true key. All right, well, I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Oh my let's keep it real people. I got chills when I saw who my guest was going to be because this is a topic that's going to help every single one of us. So anybody out there who's thinking, hmm, I wonder if this relates to me, it definitely relates to you. I promise you. We're going to get so many tips and tricks, but let me tell you about this woman before I bring her on. So here you go. Jessie Junta Rafa, hopefully I got that right, if not, she will correct me, is a psychotherapist and certified success coach who's helped hundreds of young adults who feel lost find clarity and direction in their lives. She recently released a book called Life Launch, Oh, it's going to be a good one, you know, I was looking through it, it's a guide to creating the extraordinary life you want. It's a roadmap to everything Jesse learned and everything she wished she, she had known as a young adult when it comes to seeing the big picture, working through your blocks, and finding the courage to create your future. Jessie, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm good.
0: All right, so how did I do with the name? Was it okay? Or did I, I you did
1: awesome it? in the middle, Jesse Jenta, and then the last part's Rafa, but that's okay. It's a tricky one.
0: Rough. It's not really, but I get. Thank you, thank you for saying that. So Jesse, let's jump right into it. My first question to all my guests are words. I love words. I have them all over. I think about a word of the day, the week, the month, or what resets my brain. So if you were going to pick a word for you, doesn't matter. Like you understand, good, bad, negative, doesn't care that best describes the past 30 days for you? What, word would you pick?
1: Hmm. Um, oh, I would say exciting, exciting. Exciting. Yes. My book release, that's been a long dream of mine. So that's a life goal. Mark it off the bucket list. So it's been pretty exciting to watch that go into the world.
0: You know, I'm glad you said that because it's been all over the place. So when you're saying like excited because your book launched and it's taken you forever, it came out in June, right?
1: It, it, I was going to release it in June and then it stalled because of what was going on in the country till. So it released August 18th, actually.
0: Oh, you're new to the field. Uh, I'm
1: I'm right. I'm a baby. I'm a baby beginner here. Yes.
0: So you, which, you know, people say, oh, is it an advantage, but you're really going to realize what it's like to launch a book online?
1: Yes. I'm starting to realize it's pretty, it's pretty intense. It's, it's pushing me to grow because I love having conversations where I sit and help people go after their dreams, but it's a completely different ball game for me to be out here promoting myself. So it's good for me because I'm growing too
0: isn't it? It puts you in that uncomfortable zone, right? Which helps you with your clients. Exactly. You now you've got to be thrown off some. And I know what you mean, because when you're a people person and you're building off the reactions, even of your audience, at least when you're speaking to them, you can say, Oh, are they engaging? You know, should I go a different way? But when you're online and sometimes you can't see them, it's tricky, isn't it?
1: It's totally tricky. And the goal of the book for me was, not to make a million dollars, not to be super famous. It was because I wanted to help more people. I love what I do and I only get to help, you know, 25 people a week. So I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to pass on the wisdom that I'm using in my office to everyone? But yeah, it's vulnerable to put something out there when you can't see how it's going to land. So this is my first rodeo at that.
0: So, I was talking to you beforehand and I was telling you how I think this is really good because you say, you know, from teenage to, to young adulthood. So what, what age are you exactly talking about in this book?
1: I, I'm talking 20s and 30s, you know, depending on where you are. I'm, I'm talking about the point where in your adolescence, every you're, you're trying to separate from your parents and become your own person, but you don't have enough because you're so new at it. You don't have enough confidence yet to really reflect and look at your strengths and weaknesses. When you get to your twenties, you've now realized for the first time, oh my gosh, my life is up to me. I have to create it, but I have enough inner strength to also, also reflect on where I need to push myself to grow and what I already have. So that's my favorite crowd to work with is, is the people that are ready to take responsibility for their lives and go after it.
0: So, does that relate to a 17-year-old boy? <laughs>
1: it absolutely does because he's right on the he's right on the edge of like, you know, leaving the nest and and coming into himself, for sure.
0: <laughs> I was thinking about that cuz my son is a junior in high school and All my friends, you know, most of them, they have kids in high school. And they thought, okay, Sandy, I know you talk about releasing anxiety and mindset, but are you sure it's not for the parents now? Because how are we juggling this? It is weird, I have to tell you. When you're both working from home and you go out there and there he is lying on the, you know, sofa to do his, you know, homework, it is a bit strange.
1: Yes, because it's the time where really he would be, in a normal circumstance, he would be out in the world connecting to his friends, studying like it's his responsibility and you're and you're kind of both of you getting used to that separation of lives but now yeah. we've been all thrust back together in the in the home to to you know which is which is nice in some ways cuz you get to be more connected but it also is strange because it's... it's strange so the clients that
0: you see right now what is the age range that you see
1: um i have some kids but so i i have from 11 to 70 basically um but um but the majority of them about two-thirds of my caseload is is 20s they're in their 20s
0: Mm. so this week when I was watching my friends the strangest way send their kids off to college or not to college I mean come on, that has to cause a lot of anxiety forget they're leaving the nest for the first time
1: Yes. And I, I think it's got to, it's having the coronavirus has to add this whole new level because it was, it used it was scary in itself. Okay. Yeah. Did I do a good enough job? Is my kid going to be strong enough and smart enough and able to figure this out and launch into the world and do this yeah. all independently? But now, now you have to be like, are they going to be sitting in their dorm room on online classes all day? Are they going to yeah. meet anybody? Are they going to get sick? So it's, yeah. It's hard.
0: Yeah, it's a whole new level of anxiety, which, you know, you, you speak a lot about on your website, and I know it's addressed in your book, and I think it's amazing that you're saying this. Like, you shouldn't just go, oh, okay, I, I know how to do this. I should do this. You know, I'm going to quit, because that's not the case.
1: Yes, like, um, so anxiety is fear of our fear. So we think a lot of times, especially in this modern age, where it's a beautiful time because people are promoting positive thinking and the idea that you can control your emotional destiny. That's pretty modern. Like your parents and my parents, they weren't raised to think about their happiness. They were raised to think about how they were going to make money and survive. So on one level, it's great. We're in this positive place, but on another level, I think when people experience fear, which is a natural part of human existence, they often are going like, well, I'm not supposed to feel that. I'm just supposed to feel positive and hopeful and relaxed. And so, and then the more we judge the fact that we're afraid, which is a natural part of human existence, the more it gets stuck. And that's what the anxiety chapter is about, is how to undo that sticking of the, how do you, how do you get out of the fear of the fear and the anger of the fear and the judgment of the fear so that you can just live your life and work through it?
0: I'm so glad you said that because I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, well, you just want us to be happy all the time. And that's completely opposite of how I feel. <laughs> but I think when you are a more positive, powerful pe- a person, of course, when you're doing podcasts or, or speaking engagements, you're usually in a great mindset you know, to be out there. Yes. But I feel exactly like... You do. I remember the first time I went to a positive psychology presentation in Canada, they started out by saying, listen, let me tell you, people have this preconceived notion that we're here just to say, always be pippy skippy. That's not true at all. And I was just like, whoa, you know, because I think that's what people get the impression. And there is there's right. Isn't there all this guilt on not being that way?
1: Yes. Like I, I think we're like in the kindergarten of learning how to be happy and fulfilled and at peace. And we're expecting ourselves to be in college. It's so modern and the guilt and the anger, like it, like I'm, it just keeps it stuck. It just makes it worse because I I know, like like I said at the beginning of this podcast, like putting myself out there about this book, it's vulnerable. It's scary to me. But but I'm going to go through it anyway, because it's also fear and excitement are really close on the emotional spectrum. So it's it's like a roller coaster ride. It's fun. I like being pushed. I like getting out of my box. I like the feeling of growth. And I think all actually it's a natural human instinct to want to have a purpose and to work through your feelings and to get to higher places. It wouldn't be interesting if we were just the same feeling all the time. I think it would be boring.
0: Yeah, I know. And I experienced this like last year. I had this really severe neck thing. And it was just pressing on different parts of my head, which was causing me anxiety. Like I was getting like hyperventilated. And so my friends, when they would come over, my close, close friends, they weren't used to seeing me. Like you're the problem solver. Where's the solution? Where's the... They couldn't handle... And they were like, no, 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 no. You don't get to be like that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I realized because they, I, I fit their world that way. Yeah. I think that's a lot for a lot of different people, you know, is they have, okay, you expect me to be this way. So they're afraid to over, you know, to, to show that side of them. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yes. Yeah. And like you said, and then it could scare other people because you're supposed to be the rock that's holding yep. everything together. And now it's threatening the the whole system of your relationships. But really, I I'm envisioning a world where we all get to experience all our feelings and we all get to take care of each other because we're all not going to hopefully be vulnerable or in bad places all at the same time. <laughs> and that's going to be uplifting and, you know, and yeah, empowering and create a sense of community basically.
0: Yeah, I think we're in a little sticky wicket right now, Jesse, because I think there's more people that are feeling anxiety because of our situation and some is just more or less than others, which is gonna bring me to the first question I have for you. So before my guests come on, I always reach out to people and say, what questions would you have? And so this person, we'll call him Bob says, I'm usually pretty, he said, I'm usually pretty, have a pretty steady mindset, steady mindset. But does she have any tips or tricks every time I go to the grocery store and have to put on a mask, I have to admit, I feel anxiety. So it's, you know, he said, I don't want you to think I'm crumbling up in my car is what he says. Yeah. But I do feel anxiety just to have to go into the grocery store with a mask on.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, that's a great question. So what I would say to Bob is, the first thing is anticipating that that's gonna happen. I would take some, a few deep breaths in the parking lot before I, as I was putting on my mask and I would give myself a little message, something like, yeah, this is a weird, this is weird times, but I'm gonna be okay with the mask and staying separate from people like i've done this now for you know 5 months 6 months <laughs> like i'm going to be okay but if i'm a little scared that's okay because i think we resist it and then and then that makes it bigger but if we are empathetic you should talk to yourself as if you were talking to a 5 year old child 5 year old child scared we don't go get over it. We empathetically go know. like, you know, it's okay that you're scared, and we're going to walk through it anyway. And that's the that's the attitude you want to have with yourself as you go through your fear.
0: Yeah, and not feel like he says like because <laughs> he goes on and on. He goes, "I'm a man. <laughs> I shouldn't <laughs> feel this way." Like, you know, he's feeling I'm supposed to be strong for my family. You know, and I get that.
1: Yes, but I think so. I um. I think, I was just listening to this interview with Brene Brown, who was Mm. talking about the less that you're aware of how your fear is taking place, um, you're going to act it out in different ways. And I think we've given men a lot of these messages, like like your friends were giving you the other day when you were anxious, like, no, you got to pull it together and you got to be strong. You got to be the leader of this family. But Like, it's okay for dad to be scared. And in fact, if he's scared and he knows it and he breathes through it and talks himself through it, that's going to be much better If then later on he's, you know, yelling at his kids because the fear comes out in anger later on. That's, That's what happens for men a lot, is it comes out in anger because they weren't allowed to be vulnerable.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad he was brave enough to even send in this question.
1: Yes, that's a... Definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah. All
0: right. This happens to be from another man, but it's a young man. I think he is 16 and he had, could find his puppy. The puppy's found, so we don't have to worry. Okay. But he started, you know, he was 16, close to his little puppy and he started getting upset and crying. And his parents said, this is nothing to cry about. It's an animal with all that's going on in the world. What do I do?
1: Okay, well... That's very upsetting to me. Yeah, I'm already upset about the puppy. <laughs> I just have to say I, ha- I have a dog myself. Yeah, and... I mean, I
0: have animals. I lost my kit the other day and I had tears in my eyes.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I just think animals can be really healing. They provide a different kind of relationship and care for us because we're never in conflict with them and they're always happy to see us. So that kind of love is is very like i i hate it when people downplay the death of their pets or don't yeah. understand that because i think oh i've i've gone through a lot of death in my life and some of the times that i've been the saddest is losing losing dogs yeah. because yeah. they were there every day so consistent you know so so i would say it's okay to be of course it's okay to be um upset about the puppy and then the other thing is what does I he think say to his mom, it's always like, it always could be worse, right? Like it, like people are starving in China. That's what my dad oh, used uh, you know. So, but yeah. but then if we're in that place, then we're not allowing us ourselves to experience the yeah. full emotional experience here. So yeah. we can't compare pain. Whatever your pain is, that's your pain, and that's okay. And so I would say to his mom. Hey, mom, because I, I imagine his mom is maybe saying that because it's upsetting to her yep. that yep. her son is upset. And so she doesn't, she wants to make it better by putting yes. it in perspective, right? Instead, yep. of, But she's making it worse because she's not validating his experience. So I would <laughs> yes. say, hey, mom, I know you're just trying, like, it's upsetting that I'm upset and you're just trying to put it in perspective, but like, it's actually, it would just be helpful if you gave me a hug and understood that I'm just upset right now. And I, and I'm, and that doesn't make me lose sight of what's going on in the world. Like, yeah.
0: yeah. And I'm glad you said that. Cause I think you're right. Most parents just don't know what to say mm-hmm. and they, they are upset and they're upset to see their kid upset and it just comes out all wrong. So that's yes. a very good point. Yes. All right. So before we go on, because I have so many questions here for you, we're going to have to narrow them in, but they can always send them to you. Let's talk a little bit about your journey and why you picked this for your life. And it's a very fascinating journey, I must say.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: And I'm glad that you shared it on your website with people, but maybe you can just tell us a little about why you went into this profession.
1: Okay. So the 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 short answer is I went through emotional hell when I was younger um, i a lot of um, a lot of people in my family committed suicide actually it was like a string of events that one did it and then that made somebody else really sad Ugh. and so on and so forth and i can't even imagine it 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 was rough and 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 it was and these i'm an only child, and these were my cousins and oh. And so they were like, how my brothers. Old were you? I was, it started when I was 14. Mm. So, and, and then, you know, and then people kept dying for the next 10 years ish. But <sighs> so it was rough. It was rough. And I got sent to, and when, and when the first one died, I did not have the emotional tools to know how to, how to deal with it. And, and my parents didn't either. And they sent me to a therapist who she was really kind, but she just didn't know she just didn 't know what to do with me and so it just got worse and worse, and I ended up getting sent to psychiatrists who medicated me because mm-hmm. they 're thinking that you know my cousins had some Bipolar and some other mental illness, and they're thinking that's what I have, but really, it's not what I had. I was just grieving the fact that everyone was dying, and I just needed someone to understand how painful that was and and yeah. to tell me that I wasn't crazy and to tell me that like they saw in me the the potential that I could be okay and I could get through this and eventually after um after a number of therapists that didn't know how to help me and a number of medications that didn't help me my parents found one that really, really helped me. And she helped me get off all the medication. She validated my experience. She got my parents in the room, which no one had done before. It would have been about like me as the problem. But instead, she got my parents in the room and she was like, okay, Jesse, what do what do we need to do here to make this family better? Nobody had empowered me in that way before. Mm. And my parents were so grateful because they now were a part of helping me get better too. They didn't know what to do. So, yeah. so I went on that journey and and so not only did she help me get better, but I loved psychology and I loved the process of this kind of therapy. So she gave me all these different assignments and psychological books to read and I just ate that stuff up and I realized I was I was on a path to getting better by the time I was about 18, like I had really come out of it. And, and I was like, okay, I'm going straight through college, straight through grad school. And this is what I'm going to do with my life because I just love it. So I opened my private practice when I was 26.
0: Wow. That's young.
1: Yes. I was a baby at the time. I didn't realize what a baby I was, which was probably good because I was just, going out there, but but it worked out great because teenagers picked me online. They saw my picture. I looked way younger than everyone else. And so they picked me as a relatable person and Mm. I became this bridge between teenagers and their parents. Parents liked me because I was able to communicate for them. So it worked out great. So yeah, for a lot of the first years Of my practice it was all teenagers it was and then as i got older it became it evolved to more young adults but i still love those teenagers too
0: yeah i i think it's really really important you know what you said you gotta find the right therapist that you connect with yeah because it, it can really mess you up and the fact i was reading how one couldn't understand your so they're like okay maybe just go to a psych ward yeah yeah Not that there's not anything wrong with them. I know people that have been there and they've helped, but I can understand your frustration because they're trying to make you think, okay, we don't know how to help you. All right. This is the best thing for you. And you're thinking, Oh my God, don't you understand all these people just left me?
1: Yes. Yes. And that's where I, I mean, I didn't tell that part of the story, but that's where I ended up as well was on a psych ward. And, and it, it was, uh, I mean, it, was a good experience now so that i can empathize and and relate to my clients in the darkest of places but at the time it just made me feel more crazy that's what it did like, it just yeah. wasn't it wasn't helpful at, at all it yeah
0: and not that it doesn't i've seen it help some people but there's a lot that it hasn't and the fact that you what like you said <laughs> looking back it it's now helpful with your clients, but I'm sure it was horrible then.
1: Yes. Yes. And yes. And for the the right kind of program and the right kind of person, you're absolutely right that residential treatment can be amazing. I just think the biggest part for me was being misdiagnosed and yeah. everyone looking and treating me like I, there was a study they did. I forget like that we studied in college where they talked about putting people on a psych ward who, who weren't mentally ill and what happened to them over time? And basically they started to feel and act crazy because yeah, that's how absolutely. they were being treated, basically. Yep,
0: yep. And they, a lot of places, unfortunately, over-medicate because they don't know what to do with them, you know? Yes. That's a whole other story we will talk about. My, my mother spent a lot of her life in a mental institution. And I would go in and <laughs> I would take my tap shoes with me. And I would tap in the middle of the hallway where everyone was. And when they weren't looking, I would sneak their medicine and say, You don't need this. Just watch me. You'll laugh. Is that? I must have been like 10 years old. I can't believe I did that. They, maybe some of them needed their medicine, Jesse, and I was taking their medicine from them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh. I did get
0: kicked out a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a great
0: story. <laughs> I know. But like, there I am tapped it. They just want to make you smile. All right. So, right now, here you are you're doing your clients. How's it changed for you? Are you doing more virtually? Do they still come in? Where are you?
1: I'm, I'm all virtual since March. So it's been really interesting because it used to be 70% in my office, 30% virtual, and now it's a hundred percent virtual. I don't have the best immune system, so I'm not ready to be in the space. And to be honest, I'm, I, at first I was like I don't know about this but I'm missing less than I, I thought I would be like I mm. feel pretty connected on the video there is it's always better in person I'm not gonna lie but yes but uh, it's going pretty pretty well I think all things yeah considered. and you can reach more people that's right I'm not geographically limited so that's nice.
0: Yeah, so you can reach them all over the world. All right, so I, I have to ask you this because I've heard this before and it just drives me crazy. And I guess I know why, but explain. Our m- minds are designed to be negative; they go negative first, and it's true, right? I remember someone saying, "If you don't, somebody doesn't call you back." Even little thing, you, you imagine the worst first. What the and why?
1: Okay, so I've I have a why. <laughs> the why is it's evolve like so we come we've our environment has out evolved our minds so our minds come from a time when the most Im- when we lived in the jungle and the most important thing was that we survive so we don't get eaten by a tiger we have enough food cloth- you know food clothing shelter and we're connected to our tribe to protect us and at that time it did not matter that we were happy or at peace. The best place emotionally to stay alive is to be hyper vigilant, a little bit anxious, assessing danger at all times. So assessing danger is looking for what's wrong. So even though in our modern times, our thoughts aren't going, watch out for that tiger, because that's not relevant. It's still doing the same process that it was doing to keep us alive, which is, why didn't that person text me back? Do you think that means that they don't like me or you know uh, it's just picking up whatever content applies in order to get our bodies into the state of being hyper vigilant anxious and in self-protective mode so we need that's important to know because if you don't know that you're walking around going like why am I so negative what's wrong with me and I'm telling you everybody's mind is negative that's why we have a huge push for Meditation now because it's the practice from separating from that monkey mind. That's what yeah. it is.
0: I don't understand though why our brain didn't evolve as society evolved. Like, I get that, but I was just, you know, thinking, come on, the human body is amazing, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, but we evolved pretty the... fast to get out of life and death scenarios, you know? Like, we built these giant buildings and figured out our food. Like, We did it pretty quickly.
0: Okay, good point. Good point. You know, a lot of my friends, I'm 100% on board with you too with the meditation, but I get so much pushback from a lot of people that say, Sandy, I just don't have time to meditate. And I'm always like, you don't have time. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, That's the one thing you need the most, especially if you are telling me you're having panic attacks, anxiety, and depression. So maybe you could go into the importance of it and how much time do you think is necessary?
1: Well, I think here's the thing. I always say you don't have to start with 30 minutes or three hours sitting silently. You don't have to go to a silent retreat. Like start with just spending a minute every day watching your breath. Because the thing is, in order to go up against this mind that's designed to be negative, we have to start to separate ourselves from it, like observe it like a scientist. And the, the the most, it's not the only way to do it. Meditation isn't the only way, but it's the most efficient because what else can you do for a minute that is actually moving your emotional intelligence forward? There's not many things. Um, so I say like, because, so you're going to sit and meditate and you're going to, and the purpose of it is to start to, hear what it's saying that's negative see how it makes you feel in your body and start to go oh i actually don't need to make myself feel that way or that's not really valid and the more we realize that that i have a sign in my office that says don't believe everything you think because i think <laughs> we're taught to just listen to every thought as if it has value and 90% of them don't and so sitting and quieting yourself and practicing separating from it will over the long even if you're doing it for a minute a day over the long term will cumulatively affect you to be more calm and in- and then hence more productive because when we're anxious we don't get as many things done. I don't think when I'm in a calm, peaceful state, it's a, I can get into a state of flow and I can accomplish a thousand more things. So to the people who say they don't have time, I'm like, watch how much more you can accomplish if you're able to control your focus in that way.
0: Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. And you're more creative. Yes. You know, so it all works out. But Here's the thing. I agree with you, too. You don't have to do the retreats or the 45 minutes or an hour. Like even just starting with a minute makes a huge difference. Yeah. And also, I think people get the perception of, OK, I'm supposed to be having all these good thoughts. And so when they have the negative thoughts, it scares them.
1: Yeah, good point. I'm so glad I was like I lost my thought in there and that's what I was trying to say. So I'm glad you brought that back. Yes. So, cuz a lot of people will say to me like, "Oh, it'll it's going to make you more anxious the idea of sitting and being quiet." So people say I'm bad at it or I shouldn't do it because then I'm going to have to hear all this negative stuff. But I say that's even more of a reason to do it because what's that saying is you're so scared to be present in yourself that that's, that's an energy that's running all the time. And the only way to fix that or make that different is to stop, stare it in the eye and go like, that's okay. You can say negative things to me, mind, but I'm not going to take them in or buy them. But that means sitting through some anxiety first. I had yeah. to sit through an, a lot of anxiety in order to get to, or to get good at meditating. It did not happen organically. It was really difficult for me. And I think that's true for most people.
0: Yeah, I was I was on a workshop last night, and it's called Conscious Transformation, and it was called The Power of Emotion. And we were talking about meditation. <laughs> and he's like, we're going to go through, you know, at the end, we're going to have a practice. And I think he did it for, like, seven minutes. And some people were saying how difficult it was for him. He goes, isn't that crazy? We want people to like us and think we're cool and amazing and love us. But a lot of them, like... We don't like who we are. We don't want to sit with they were saying I don't want to sit with myself for seven minutes and listen to what I have to say going on in that. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah. Well, I just think it's a testament to my point that it's it's designed to be negative. And so the only way the only way to like go up against that is to really challenge that. It doesn't have to be meditation, but it's it's to really internalize the idea that that's not that those negative thoughts, those aren't you. Those are just your survival mechanism trying to put you in a hypervigilant, anxious state. But you don't have yeah. to do that. Like, you just have to figure out your own lever into how to, yeah. to undo that programming.
0: Yeah. And I think that's important to realize, okay, even the most happy, joyful, loving person also has negative thoughts in their head. They that's may not right. not there as much, but they are there. That's right. There's it's no, there's the right no
1: immunity to that. There yeah. is no immunity. It's just being
0: able to have a practice and the right tools that you use every day to manage it. That's right. Okay, so the triggers, that's a, that's a difficult one. Like, how, how do you figure out the specific triggers?
1: Okay, so, so what I say is, like, meditation is like, if we're covered in mud, meditation's like taking a hose and hosing off 90% of the mud. But you're not going to get it all. Then there's gonna be spots and stuff stuck over, st- stuck on you that you didn't get with the hose. That's the stuff that you need to address with psychology. And those are, when I'm talking about triggers, I'm talking about what are the themes that come up over and over for you. Uh, a lot of times uh, it can be something like I'm unlovable, or I'm stupid, or I'm not good enough, or whatever theme about your personality that you think is defective is going, to, it is going to get triggered over and over and over again. And so with those things, like let's take I'm unlovable. So someone doesn't text me back and you think, well, that's because you know people don't like me and I'm not lovable. Well, if that comes up over and over, if you can't just meditate yourself out of that. You have to look at that specific thing and go where did I develop this story that I'm unlovable where did that come from is it from when I was a kid and my mom was busy at work and I interpreted that to mean that um, I wasn't important or was it because my dad lost it one day and yelled at me I mean normally it's a it's a series of things that that we develop a belief system around ourselves and there normally we get to be older and there are things that we decided about ourselves when we were like five that aren't relevant anymore but we still hold on to them and so so the triggers are the things that you are your themes that you need to start to dissect figure out when you made the decision about yourself that something was negative about you and then start to on un, undo that and rewrite your story is that true that i'm unlovable what evidence did i have yeah, to the contrary yeah. of that for example
0: yeah. I, I do think it's really helpful to have a therapist too. Yes. yeah, You know, because a lot of it, I mean, some of it, yes, you know, you can go through and you can take courses and you can take books, but I do feel like there's nothing better than having someone you trust to guide you through the difficult parts. Uh,
1: I would agree. I needed it. I would agree. Okay. I tried to make my book like it has Journaling activities. It ha- it ha- it explains everything that I'm explaining in much more depth, and then it has all these activities that you can take yourself through on your own to do kind of a to do at an at home reset. Mm-hmm. But but I'm with you. There's there's no substitute then yeah. for the parts yeah. that get stuck. There's no substitute for a therapist, a good one.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I'm all about the book too. I mean, because then it's your guidebook. You can always refer to it. You know.
1: Exactly, because then you could, like, let's say you could knock... Let's say you have 20 triggers. Maybe you could knock out, you know, 13 of them on your own through some journaling and some Um, reflection and all that, and then the ones that are left over go to therapy and ask for help with those.
0: Okay, this is a good way to lead into this next question, and this is a big one. This woman said she was, before the quarantine, she was very active, working all out and about, and then she got you know, quarantine, so she's working from home, and she never thought she was someone to worry about her health, but with everything heightened, she's not always even just concerned about COVID, but it goes from one thing to the next, so maybe it's this, maybe that, and that wasn't her personality. She's like, oh, please, oh, please help me, because that wasn't me before.
1: Yeah, this COVID has been triggering a lot of people in in different ways. I think we're just the social isolation alone, I think is, uh, difficult for a lot of people. So I would say kind of what I was saying to the guy with the supermarket, like it's important to be kind to herself that, that she's going through this. And then, and then from that place of empathy, look for what she, what does she need? Like, what does she need in order to start to calm herself and to move through it?
0: Yeah, and I do get that. I think there, there are people, that, they weren't thinking about it, you know what I mean? Because it wasn't, the energy wasn't so intense in the world. So, you know, they were out and about, not that they didn't get concerned now and then about their health, but I do think it brings a lot of stuff up.
1: Yeah, a thousand percent, yes.
0: And again, I think it's okay, even if you didn't need any guides or any books or any therapists to help you, to go, hey, this might be a time to bring it out.
1: Yes, that's right. Like, like I, always, I always say with breakdown comes opportunity for your next growth level because you're never going to be as motivated to push yourself to grow or to go to some new level of awareness as when you're in pain. So it can, I always try to look at it when I'm in my own, if I'm in my own breakdown, I go like yeah. something good's going to happen. Ooh, I like that song. It's good. Yeah. I'm going to work really hard to get out of this. And when I get to the other side, like, it's going to be awesome. Because yeah. like I was saying in the beginning, the contrast of emotion is what makes life interesting. If we just felt all one thing all the time, it wouldn't it would be boring. A, it would be boring.
0: I love this quote you have up. What you resist will persist and what you accept will transform. Did you write that?
1: No, I didn't. I actually, I got that from one of my first meditation teachers and, um, I got a lot of stuff from him. He really helped me. I was all about the psychology. And then, and then when I discovered the meditation part, I was like, oh, he really helped me to understand that, um, you know, just working in a philosophy of acceptance for yourself for others and for all situations if that's what you're working towards you get rid of a lot of stress right there because instead of going oh they messed up my sandwich for example at the <laughs> at the de- oh what a bad day they messed up my sandwich versus going like oh well I got to have a different interaction with the guy at the sandwich counter and I learned about his daughter and then that led me to be inspired to write this blog like all things are opportunities, all things are opportunities if you're looking at it in that way versus if you're grumbling about what's going wrong, then it's going to get stuck and it's going to get bigger.
0: Yeah. You know, I think when it says what you accept, you can transform. There's many, I I had a, um, a young woman on a podcast a few weeks ago, and she said that there's some clients that they're just not ready to they said deal with the pain you know they just couldn't they didn't they didn't didn't think they were strong enough to deal with those feelings i mean do you understand
1: that yeah i i think that's um i think that's what our mind likes to make us think don't don't feel don't don't sit still don't stop don't go to a state of peace Don't try to be calm because if you stop and look at what's happening, then it's all going to fall apart and it's all going to be too much and too big. Instead of going like, no, I, I can do this. I'm just going to do one, one step at a time. When I was dealing with my cousin's death, like I would be like in my, I would go, okay, I'm going to let myself be really sad for this hour. And then I would cry and be really upset. And then I'd be like, Okay, now I'm going to go watch a cheesy TV show and not think about it. And and I think we underestimate how much control we actually have of how much we're experiencing, how much we're experiencing emotionally at a time. It's okay to feel something and then take a break.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this this young man, he's he's saying to me <laughs> Which is your wheelhouse. I'm in my 20s and now I have to move home with my family. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I'm sure
1: a lot of people are like that. You yes, know, were, a lot of my were, clients are like that right now. And they're
0: like, I was away, and I had jobs, and you know, now with the job situation and being out of college, they rough time, I'm forced back to live at home. And he's saying his his parents don't know how to treat him as the adult he's become. They're still treating him as a child. I'm sure that's pretty average.
1: Yes. Yes. Like we go back into, um, there was a study about, uh, people with schizophrenia. They used to think it was just purely a biological, uh, I mean, a genetic condition. And then they released people with schizophrenia and they put them back in their homes and then they would get worse. And so they had to rewrite that. All their symptoms would get worse. So they had to rewrite that theory because they were like, well, then it shouldn't, if it's just genetic and it's uncontrollable no matter what you do, it shouldn't change based on your environment. But I think where, so where we grow up, with our, we are all used to playing certain ro- roles and having certain rules. And unconsciously, we go back into that place when we go back, if you go back, to all living together. And so, but for people in their 20s, I say it's a huge growth opportunity because instead of just sidestepping all the issues you had growing up because there is no perfect childhood, it doesn't exist. Instead of that, it's your time to like come into it as an adult and communicate about these issues in a different way. Like it's okay for him to go to his sit down with his parents and go, okay, guys, I love you. I'm so grateful that you're providing me somewhere to be during this time when I wouldn't have a place to be. But it feels like we're still in parent child role roles. How do you think we could move that forward? So, so because I'd like to be a more responsible adult in this family, and I think you'd like that too, how do you think we get there?
0: Oh, that, that's, that's, that's a, he has to do that. <laughs> he has to sit down with him. And I like the way, you t- take notes and write it down and practice it, because that was beautiful, Jesse.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, because a lot of times what happens is parents treat the, you know, 20-something as a kid again, and then the kid goes, why are you treating me like that? gosh, you don't even see me. And then like the more they're angry and upset, the more it kind of validates that there's still this kid that the parent is seeing. But the more that you come into the dialogue from the adult place, from a centered, relaxed place where you're also getting your parents perspective, then the more likely they're going to age you up to where you are
0: ah it's all in the presentation
1: it's all, all right, in the so, presentation <laughs> it's True. all in the
0: presentation <laughs> take a step back all right let's get in this last question because it has to do with meditation i like to meditate while i'm hiking do i really have to sit still or do i just have to quiet my mind while walking in the
1: woods the answer is there are no rules you absolutely don't have to sit still um in my book there's like a whole a whole section on how to start your meditation practice and then there's a whole section on what do you what do you do if you want to get your mind in a quiet place but you're not ready for meditation and one of the things in there number 1 is do the things you love. So if you're out hiking and you can get yourself in a quiet space then you do that. That's beautiful. Like I think rules just come from, you know, people went and sat in this place and chanted in this way and put their body position in this way. And then, and then they had some enlightening experience and then they told everyone else to do it and then we passed it down and down and down. But really, it's just about getting your mind to a quiet space. So however you get there, you get there. there were, I'm a big snowboarder. So for years, like the way I got there was snowboarding before I was mm-hmm. able to sit still. I, I definitely go into a meditative state when I'm doing that.
0: Oh, yeah, so fun. Where yes. do you snowboard? Where do you
1: live? Um, well, I live in steam. right now, since COVID, I'm living um, over over half my time in mammoth. so okay, Mammoth Mountain, which is great. Before COVID, right. I would chase the snow, but now, since there's going to be maybe less getting on airplanes for a little bit, Mammoth's my mountain all right cool but at least there's a mountain area right oh it's oh it's i feel so lucky to be up here it's great yeah
0: okay we're gonna do some rapid fire questions you ready okay i'm ready (laughs) okay we'll start with the simplest one what's your favorite color blue what is your favorite food healthy or not healthy french fries french fries What, well, I think I might know the answer. What is your favorite thing to do in your spare time? Snowboard on a powder day. Do you have a show that you watch?
1: Okay. So I, my guilty pleasure is I love, um, cheesy, romantic, uh, reality shows right now. Say I do surprise weddings on Netflix is my favorite show. <laughs> there you it. go. Makes you laugh, right? Yeah, makes me laugh. There's some therapy in there. It's great.
0: Is there anything that you can tell us that nobody knows about you?
1: Yet? Yeah. Ooh. That's that's tricky. Like I'm a big believer in not carrying around shame. So I'm a pretty big open book. So I don't think so. I'll I'll tell everybody pretty much everything. <laughs>
0: no, but it could even be a fun thing. Oh, like, a fun thing. Like you know, in the middle of the night, I get up at two in the morning and eat ice cream, or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, let uh, You pretty see. much tell everything, huh?
1: I'm really into my. I I was not allowed to have video games as a as a child, and now all my clients have been talking about loving playing video games during COVID, and so I recently bought a Nintendo Switch, and I'm totally having a blast playing Mario. Oh, see, there's something. Yeah. I like that.
0: My family's big Nintendo fans. Okay, now, the last thing that you talked about, the number four of, all, of your points, You were saying that if you master the two processes you talked about, which is the meditation and figuring out your triggers. Yes. I like this, that you say you'll live in longer and longer states of peace and joy. Yes. So it's not like, okay, you're just going to be, we want to clarify that way all the time. Just you want to have more of that in your life.
1: Yes. What happens when I was a teenager, it was 99% Anxiety, depression, and negativity and one percent joy, and now I would say it's flipped, you know, like I spend a huge amount of time in peace and joy, but it's because I consciously work at it and i've and it's interesting to me and but I'm not gonna like I told you at the beginning of this show like i'm scared right now about promoting my book, but yeah, but that's a fun that's fun fear because yeah. because if you're not resisting your feelings they don't feel overwhelming in the same way.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I do think going back to you when you were saying you're an open book, by you sharing your story, especially as a coach and therapist, ah oh, how great is that for your clients?
1: Well it I I think it helps a lot. I think I learned that through going some of through some of the therapists before I met the one that helped me because All the ones before were, didn't share about themselves. And especially as a young person, like I just didn't feel like I could open up in the same way. And so I want all my clients and everyone to know, like, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm no better than you. I've just, I've just dedicated my life to studying this stuff. And I'm good at talking about uh, feelings, but you're going to be better at something else than me. So we're all human, like. And nobody is better or worse than anybody else.
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because it's very intimidating if you go and you're like, oh, my God, they seem so perfect. You know, well, how am I going to just spill my beans to them? So it's very comforting. Yeah. All right. Now, you said the word you said was a good word. So it was very excited. That was your word for the past three days. For the next 30 days, do you want to stay with that word or would you like to embody a different word?
1: Um... I'm going to pick empowered, empowered. All right,
0: cool. Empowered.
1: All right, Jesse,
0: before we go, couple things. One, how can they find you? How can they reach you? How can they buy your book? And then number two, is there anything we didn't get in you want to get in?
1: Um, I think we did great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, Uh, the best way to find everything about me is my website, which I'm sure you'll put in the show notes because my name is tricky to spell. It's jessie-junta-rafe.com. And on that website, there's a link to buy the book and the podcast, and you can see my blog and you could just learn more about me. So, and the book's on Amazon. So it's got audio and regular versions too. Cool.
0: Well, Jesse, it was so much fun having you on. It really was I am, this is like the perfect time for this, especially with people moving back home, people doing college from home, kids at school, lots of valuable tips and tricks that we're going to be applying. So I appreciate you taking the time with us. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be here. And have fun with the book. I mean, you know, I know it's going to be a different journey doing it virtually, but it's so needed. I'm sure you're going to do very well. So. Enjoy every single moment. My let's keep it real people. What do you think? Did Jessie keep it real? Of course she did. So don't forget. Make sure you subscribe and you share if you love the episode, which I know you will, with your friends and like and all that other fun stuff. And until next time, toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.